Trish and Nicole and their expert guests are here to answer all your burning questions about aesthetics procedures, candid discussions and stories of the latest trends and greatest gadgets. From dry vagina to frozen faces, Aesthetics Uncensored, where nothing is off limits. Hello listeners, it's Trish Hamaneer again from Aesthetics Uncensored podcast and today I'm joined with Joey Brown. Now Joey is actually the Vice President of Vero Hair which is based in Toronto, Canada and today we're going to have a chat about an exciting segment of medicine which is all about hair restoration. So welcome Joey. Thank you very much. It's such a pleasure to be here and I'm really excited to talk about our, uh, our amazing technologies. Fantastic. Yeah, it's really good to see you again. So this is take two. So hopefully this time I don't mess it up. <laughs> but anyway, so, so Joey, tell us, so you've been in Vero Hair for how long? So I, um, so Vero Hair is um, a segment of Venus Concept that we created um, just to serve our hair restoration services. Um, uh, I sort of created it um, by combining uh, our robotic platform artists it's the world's only robotic hair restoration device with neograft which is our other top tier automated fue device and and i'll go into details about both of them but we combined those two devices and then we added some and uh sort of uh, layered on if you will uh practice development management um aspects to the program clinical training uh a clinical perceptorship so we really have created like the world's only comprehensive business solution for anyone who wants to get in hair restoration. And we've actually had this program for uh, three years now. Uh, We acquired, Venus Concept acquired Neograft in 2018, and then we acquired um, artists by uh, merging with Restoration Robotics and acquiring the technology in 2019. So it's it's been three years, and we have absolutely revolutionized the way hair restoration is being done globally in that in that short period of time. Amazing. I know it's just it's kind of like just filtering through like wildfire at the moment the industry. There's no doubt about it. But tell us because you actually you're a bit like the Gillette man where he liked the company so much that he bought it. So tell us your story about how you actually started in the hair restoration market. Yeah. So uh, like a lot of people, you know, um, I'm a patient and um, I I became very, very passionate about it. Um, I had a, a, a fairly lucrative uh, career in, in, in the entertainment world uh, in my 20s, um, and I started to develop a receding hairline, and that, that wasn't really good for my self-esteem or for business. And so I started, you know, sort of looking into my own solution, right, doing my due diligence to figure out, you're like, what do you do to battle hair loss, right? And what do you do about the hair you've already lost? How do you get that back, right? And so through that, I ended up having a, a, a procedure, and it, it, it really changed my life. It changed the way I, I felt. It just it, it gave me a renewed confidence. Um, it, it made me comfortable that I, that I was not going to lose my hair, right? That I had found a way to, to battle it, right? And so I, I wanted to help other people feel that way. And so I switched careers. And, um, you know, maybe having a receding hairline in my late 20s was a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. because it put me into a business that I truly love, um, it's, it's fun. It's lucrative. I travel the world. We, we put physicians into the hair restoration business in a seamless way and allow them to help more and more and more people feel better about themselves. I couldn't be happier with what I do. Yeah, that's fantastic. And one thing I've noticed as well is, like you said, you help physicians to, you know, well, increase their business and actually help, help patients at the same time, which is great. But 
what I'm noticing is there's more and more people that are that are getting these devices that are actually not overqualified. That's a really bad thing to say, but I would have just thought. Like I'll use an example. So plastic surgeons are actually buying this device to, to offer it to their patients because they know that that's what patients want. Can you tell us a little bit about like how that's kind of all come about? Yeah, I would uh, gladly. <clears throat> so hair restoration historically is a very labor-intensive process and procedure. So today the average hair transplant requires about uh, the, the, the transfer of around 2,000 grafts. So an average case would be 2,000 grafts, right? So, I mean, that's a lot. What we're talking about doing is is – Move, removing from the donor area, the back of the scalp, 2,000 individual follicular units or, or follicles, and then and then transferring or transplanting them to the front. We use that hair to fill in you know, where the hair has been lost. And so it's very labor-intensive. So if you think about doing that by hand, you can imagine you know, how, how tiring and how cumbersome it would be. You can also imagine that you know, like doing anything that's highly repetitive, the more you do it, the less accurate you're becoming at it. You know, sort of the example I give, and I think we discussed it yesterday, you know, if I ask someone to sign their name, right, they, they could probably do the first time very good, even with my horrible penmanship. I can get it right one time, right? But then think about signing your name 2,000 times. Will number 2,000 look like number two? Well, it won't, right? The more you do it, the less accurate, the, the, the more sort of sloppy if you will, your signature will become, right? Well, robotics is perfect for something that's highly a highly repetitive motion, like which that's what hair restoration is. So that's why robotics is, is so is, is so great for this particular procedure, and it's revolutionized it. You know, if I taught the robot, not me, but if our engineers trained the robot, programmed an algorithm to sign your name. If you signed your name, and then we took that signature and programmed it into the robot and, ta and taught the robot to do it, it could do it 2,000 times, and, and signature number 2,000 would be an exact overlay of signature 2, right? Because the robot does not suffer human fatigue. Now, what that means for the patient is <clears throat> the best quality graft. We're trying not to transect or damage the graft as we take it out, right? <clears throat> and so the robot is micron accurate when it harvests the hair, and it can do it over and over and over again without damaging the follicles. That's important. Because what goes in the front is really only as good as what comes out of the back. And we have to take the hairs out without, by protecting them without damaging them. And so I think patients, they, they get that. They inherently understand that. Uh, millennials particularly you know, gravitate to, to robotics because most of them grew up with computers in their pockets, right, in their, in their cell phone. And so I think that technology is what's driving the industry. No one wants to lose their hair, and if they are, they want it back. But they, they now understand, hey, there's the technology combined with the, the, the skill set of a plastic surgeon, right? And when you put those two together, it's the perfect marriage. Patient love, patients love it, and they, they seek it out in droves. Having said that as well, though, because it's not just plastic surgeons that can actually use the device, is it? Because everyone's trained, but so you have to be a physician, don't you? Can you tell us about like what qualification you need to have to be able to use the the 
the neograft and the artist? Sure, absolutely. And you are you are spot on correct. You do not have to be a plastic surgeon, but plastic surgeons as a whole, they they like the the devices and the procedures because obviously hair restoration is an aesthetic procedure, right? But we have many dermatologists, many general practitioners who just want to maybe get into a different segment of medicine, you know, and help more people in a different way. So it is a physician oversight procedure, right? Um, and so you do have to be a physician to acquire the devices and to treat patients with them, but you do not have to be specifically a plastic surgeon. We, we, may, we mainly cater to plastic surgeons, derms, and general practitioners who are looking for maybe a new revenue stream and, and, and sort of a different you know, outlet to, to help people. Um, we offer comprehensive training. We have preceptorships around the world with some of the top hair restoration surgeons in the world. So, and, and that's great because unlike most device companies where they, they will teach you what I call the buttonology of the device, like where's the power button, where's on, off, how do, how do you move the device, right? So, and we certainly do that with our clinical training staff. But we offer a preceptorship that is that is. It's, it's the nuances of the procedure. It's procedure training, not device training, right? So you would come to one of our preceptors. Anyone who purchased our device is invited to one of our preceptorships, beautiful destination locations around the world. And then they can understand exactly, you know, the fundamentals and, and even down to the nuances of the procedure itself. We want to make them experts in hair restoration and then give them the absolute best tools to get the absolute best outcome for their patient. And tell us, because... Hair restoration's come a long way because I've got an uncle who actually had um, a hair transplant, you call it in those days. He had something and he had these things in his head that looked like plugs and then eventually he lost a bit more hair. So so he actually, and I don't know what else they did, they did something to his scalp, but he actually looks like he's been in a bit of an accident. And so tell us, can you... Cause tell us a bit, can you tell us a bit about how, like where it was then and where it is now? Because I've seen how it's done now and it's actually quite mind-blowing because it's actually really minimally invasive like there's no cuts or nothing it's just pulling the hair out from one spot and virtually sticking in another that, that's how I understand it so can you give us that rundown of how it's where it was and where it is now I, 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 gladly hap, happily um, and, and listen I think that your description of it is exactly what it is any, any layperson who watched it would describe it exactly the way you just did you know that is spot on um, when hair restoration started I mean and, and just a, a quick sort of a biology lesson um, most of your listeners probably have noticed that even severely balding men always maintain that sort of fringe hair on the sides and the back of their scalp I call it sort of the friar tut hair the skirt. Okay, the skirt. Well, thank you. Yes, yes. So so that skirt is permanent. That hair is permanent because it is simply immune to the hormone that causes hair loss, right? So the hormone, dihydrotestosterone, that that affected the hair that was lost did not affect the hair in the skirt, right? So then basically with a hair transplant surgery, what we're doing is we're essentially robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? We're taking the surplus hair in the skirt and we're relocating it to the area where they've lost their hair right the hair will continue to grow there because keep in mind it's it's unaffected by the hormone right so we're just relocating it when they first started doing this they they used quite large biopsy punches and they would move 10 or 12 or 15 hairs in in, in a circular plug right and so they would extract it that way and then implant it that way and then it looked very unnatural because your hair does not grow in circular you know clusters of 10 or 12 hairs today's episode of aesthetics uncensored was brought to you by venus concept our trusted industry partners 
Venus Concept used cutting-edge technology to develop safe, minimally invasive devices that address today's most in-demand aesthetics concerns, including skin tightening, pigmentation, hair removal, cellulite and wrinkle reduction. Visit anybody.com.au to learn more about Venus Concept. That's anybody with an I. So you, so you're telling me, sorry. So you're telling me that every time they put like a plug in or whatever, it was like ten hairs in one spot. Correct. Oh my god. Yeah, that is correct. And 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 so the results, and we've all seen it. You know, it looks like a, you know a bit of a, a toothbrush, right? A pop plant. Yeah. Pop plant. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what it looks like. And so, you know, they were successful in that the transfer of the hair took and the hair grew, so they were able to grow hair in the recipient area, but. If the goal was to, you know, give a, an aesthetically pleasing, you know, more youthful result, they, they failed miserably in accomplishing that, right? So then, and this is you know, decades ago, right? So the industry and that procedure had to evolve. And so what it in, uh, evolved into was what's known as the strip surgery or the strip procedure, where they would lift up the hair in the, in the skirt, they would shave a strip of hair about a half of an inch wide, uh, anesthetize that, uh, and surgically excise that strip of tissue. So it was a very invasive procedure. They would close the wounded area back together and suture it, and then they take the strip of skin and then they would dissect it into you know just single and double and triple you know follicles because that's how how your hair naturally grows in groupings of ones, twos, and threes randomly as opposed to you know circular plugs, right? Cylinder like cir circles of plugs, right? And so that that procedure gave a far more pleasing you know aesthetic result, but it came at the cost of an invasive surgery that left scarring under the skirt, right? So then you would have to wear your hair longer to, to hide that. And now you're maybe forced into a hairstyle that, that you otherwise would not choose. So what we're trying to do is to, is, is to give the, the optimal outcome with the most minimally invasive procedure, right? Because we want this to be easy for the patient and easy for the doctor, palatable, right? So what the robot does the robot is a binocular stereoscopic image-guided robot. That's a mouthful. But basically what it means is that the robot has a patented vision system that allows it to look at each and every hair in the skirt, in the donor area. <clears throat> and it will track the angle at which that hair leaves the skin. It, it tracks it 60 times per second. It follows the trajectory of that shaft of hair subderminally all the way to the hair follicle so that when the robot fires the needle, and it's a tiny little needle, and it goes over the shaft of hair, makes a pinprick into the skin, an incision, and it collects the follicle intact with micron accuracy. So to your point, when we just pull out one hair, that's exactly what we're doing, and that's how it does it. And then that hair is then inserted into a tiny little a needle-sized opening in the recipient area, and then all of the hairs are populated into that way into that area, resulting in a perfectly randomized, natural you know, just sort of almost God-given result. And patients, they just love it. They just absolutely love it. Uh, today, it, it, it's undetectable that a person has had a, a hair transplant. And there's, you know, minimal scarring in the donor area so that you can wear your hair any, any style you want. So all of the inherent problems that we've suffered through history with hair restoration and trying to solve those problems, we have effectively solved them with our robotic technology.
Fantastic. I have to admit, I'm a little bit obsessed by it because I have always thought to myself that um, I've got really quite fine hair. I blame it on my first husband, actually. I was married at 18 and I noticed within a very short time that I was thinning around the top and I've never actually got it back. And I did go to actually someone, a trichologist, to see if I could get it sorted, but there was no solution. So, And the reason I'm, I'm alluding to this is, is it's not just men, is it? Because a, a lot of women that I speak to as well, they think, I just want a little bit more hair. They don't need like a what you would I think would be a full transplant, but they just want a little bit fuller kind of hair around the top or whatever. Yeah. So the, the procedure is not just for guys. It's a real growing procedure for women as well, hey? Absolutely, 100%. I mean, it's for anyone who, you know, suffers from hair loss and, and obviously is emotionally bothered by it, right? Um, which I was, right? That's, that's how I got here. So I understand the plight, right? And so... Yes, it, it is for anyone. And uh, the Neograft is also an amazing technology for doing smaller procedures, um, primarily you know, for female, just exactly what you're describing. Um, and, and yes, um, you can do, we can do small areas. We can do large areas. We often you know, do eyebrow transplantation. I know we talked about that a little bit yesterday. You know, uh, there's a phenomenon where people you know, overpluck their eyebrows to extinction, right? And then they, they, you know, your, your options then are tattooing, right? or to have your own natural hair. And, and a lot of people would rather have their own natural hair. So we can simply remove some, some uh, donor hair from the, the skirt area uh, that you've taught me and then use that to recreate the eyebrow. It looks perfectly natural. So yes, anybody who suffers from hair loss um, would have to come in, you know, have a consultation with a physician, make sure that they are go- a good candidate. Most people are. And then hair transplantation is, is easier and more affordable uh, than ever before. I mean, I say that because there's financing options available for it. So, you know, I, today I say hair loss is a choice, right? A lot of people have hair loss and, and, and they shave their head and they may, maybe they feel better and look better that way. I have friends that do that. But if you're losing your hair and you don't want to and you want more hair, uh, then, then hair restoration might be the perfect option for those people. Yeah, totally. And just, just on the eyebrow thing, um, when you put the new hair into the 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 is it the donor site? The, the recipient the, area. The recipient area, sorry. The oh. receiving the hair. Of course, I got it around the wrong way. So with your eyebrows, does that mean your eyebrow hair would still grow? It, it, it would. So it's scalp hair that's being used to replace the eyebrow. It looks perfectly natural. Again, undetectable that that was done in most cases. Um, but the hair is scalp hair, so it is growing. So you would have to trim, you know, trim the eyebrow. Um, but, you know, it, it's fine. And, um, and most people are happy to do that, to have their eyebrows back. Um, you know, we also do beard transplants like routinely. You know, a lot of people have, you know, a, an odd-shaped or misshaped or missing area in their beard. There's a lot of cultures where, where beards are, are prominent uh, and maybe even expected. And so to those people, you know, having a, you know, having a beard transplant is, is a good idea. Uh, you know, just back to women for a second, you know, uh, to say that, you know, men are maybe depressed over hair loss, you know, women are, are far more bothered by it, generally speaking, you know, just distraught over it, maybe even debilitized. And so helping, you know, helping people feel better about themselves, restore their hair, restore their confidence, give them a more youthful appearance. I can't think of anything in life that's better to do for humanity. And so that is the driving force at Venus Concept. It's the driving force behind Vero Hair. It's the driving force in my heart. And so we, we, we are going to continue to develop our technologies to the betterment of anyone who wants and needs more hair. 
I love that because that way, you know, we've got, we can get sorted now and we've got something to look forward to as well because I know that you guys are on the leading edge of technology. So it's really good. That, and I know there's probably more things coming out as well. So I look forward to seeing that. But I want to ask you another quick question, if you don't mind, before we go. I wanted to ask you, so if someone was getting 2,000 hairs done, can you tell us how long it would take? What would be the process? And if there's any before, during and after care that would need to be, need to happen and how long before the hair grows back? Great questions. All fantastic questions. So that process of, of, of transplanting 2,000 grafts would probably take four to six hours. Um, it, it's still somewhat labor intensive, even though it's being done robotically and the robot does not suffer human fatigue. But it, there is a time, you know, in the process. And so, you know, it, the patient is awake during the process. They can stand up, stretch their legs, go to the restroom. They're usually watching television, playing on their iPad, even eat a sandwich you know, or lunch while we're doing the procedure. It's all done under local anesthesia. Um, and so they're, they're quite comfortable. It's virtually a pain-free procedure, mo- according to most people who've had it, including myself. Um, so the process would, you know, we would harvest the donor hair from the back, and then we would basically implant it into the front. Uh, it requires trimming the area, uh, the, uh, the hair. We would have to trim that very short to do the process. Um, it takes three to six months before the new hair begins to grow because your hair is cyclical. It grows through cycles. I, every hair on your head goes through uh, the antigen, catagen, and telogen effluvium phases, which means that it grows and then sheds and then regrows. And once the, the hair sheds, the follicle that was producing that hair becomes dormant for 90 to 120 days before it grows another hair. So that phenomenon uh, continues uh, where we implant the hair, right? That's just the nature of the terminal hair. And so I said all that to say that you will begin to see the hair grow in about three months, three to four months. Uh, most people's hair grows a half an inch a month. So six to nine months, you will start to not- you know, have noticeable you know, changes. And that we would say the full result would be expected in one year. At that point, the hair would ha- have grown out to what we would consider maturity. Okay, so, so you can pretty much be confident that within like six to 12 months, look, look, could you say six months that you would like – Actually, what I'm trying to ask is how long before you can actually go out? Yeah. Like, like, am I stuck at home for a month or so? <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. The, so, so, and and I meant, to, and I should have spoken to it. The healing process. So, we we think about downtime in in two ways. So, social downtime, right, and physical downtime. So, this is minimally invasive dermatological procedure, right? So, it's it's literally, uh, you know, uh. A, a needle that that's extracting the hair, right? So um, most of our patients are sort of um, physically healed in a matter of days, um, and then there's uh, some some redness and a little bit of scabbing where we've planted the hair, and that tends to fade away within a week, uh, sometimes ten days, depending on you know their skin type and complexity and and, and tone. Uh, most people are able to return to work, you know, in in days, and they're able to return to basically any social event within a week to 10 days. Um, you'll feel fine, but there may be some detectability that you've had something done. Um, and it could look a little bit like, uh, you know, uh, maybe a sunburn, a little, you know, a little redness in the area that we've treated. Just, just as an example. I guess you could wear a hat anyway. It's you not like absolutely could wear a hat. Um, you have to be very careful how you shampoo and how you shower, and there's a, a little bit of limitations on how we want our patients to wash their hair following a transplant for the first, you know, seven to ten days. Beyond that, you know, resume most normal activity. 
Amazing. Look, I've got to say thank you so much. I, I, I can't even think of any other question that I would actually even ask if I was having it done except um, where can I go to get it done? <laughs> so uh, there are several providers uh, in Australia and, and more and more people are looking to get into it. It's a phenomenal technology. We are truly helping people. If you suffer from hair loss, you can go to our website at Venus Concept. Um, you can go to our website at either Artist or Neograft and you can find a provider near you. Yeah, fantastic. And you know what? If all else fails, just drop me an email to Trish at anybody, that's anybody with an I at the end, .com.au, and I'll put you in touch with someone as well that's close by to you. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Trish. I really enjoyed it, and um, it's just a pleasure to be here. I love your country. Thank you so much. Got a burning question for Trish and Nick at Aesthetics Uncensored? Slide into their DMs on Instagram at Aesthetics Uncensored. Stay positive, boobs and chin high.